Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and I am joined this week with Brett Freeman. Hey everyone. And Zach Cady. Insert finger guns here. Okay, so still we are in lockdown. Uh, This sucks, so here we are. uh, Our main way of playing X-Wing is on Tabletop Simulator. I'm sorry guys, if you hear Baby Talon Bane screaming, we are trying to cry. Yeah. Trying to train him to sleep in his crib, so we got some background music going on there. So, but uh, like I said, we've been playing a lot of tabletop simulator. We try to get at least a couple games in uh, every other day, so we could talk a little bit about what we've been flying. So, I mean, I guess I'll go first, just because um, today I got to fly Brobots, which was a blast. I'm sorry, Paul, that the game swung the way it did. We'll talk about our game a little bit later down in the episode. But it was kind of fun and refreshing to put them back on the table. Like, I literally, Brett, Zach, you saw my list. They were literally just two loaded up robots, A and B. And they both had auto blaster cannons. They had ion cannons, elusive, trajectory simulator, plating, proton uh, bombs, contraband, the title. It was a lot. Did you leave any slots open? There I mean, were no slots I've open. I've never seen that many upgrade cards in 2.0. So it's funny because the very first packs unplugged of second edition, I flew basically the same list. And like the amount of board space that this list took up was, was nuts. Just the cards itself. That I eventually just was like, hey, I'm only going to leave out the cards that have charges. Everything else, you know, just let me know if you need to see it. They're, they're all right here. So like it took up so much board space, but it was like, I mean, medium bases with behind three agility, like, are crazy. Like, it was a lot of fun flying it. And, like, the bombs did so much, like, did damage. But they also, like, were kind of like a board control piece that, like, it was absolutely worth taking the bombs with the the trajectory simulator and the plating just to be like, okay, I don't care what the heck I'm doing. But um, I I enjoyed it. I had fun flying X-Wing this morning, and it was a blast. The plating was a really nice idea, too. Yeah. Uh, like, because that's one of the problems with bombs on bigger base ships. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. I, I really couldn't care less. If, if it's going to help me, I'm dropping a bomb, even if I'm right on top. Exactly. Like, it, it, that was the purpose. Like, it paid for its points. I mean, plating went up to six points after that first adjustment. But uh, they definitely paid because I think I used every single charge. I, I dropped all my bombs and used every charge of plating. And because, like, the way robots fly, you can kind of, like, scissor them so that they're, like, coming in at angles. And you can be like, okay, well, we're going to dodge one, but there's no way I'm going to be able to avoid both ships with the uh, bombs if I want, like, the optimal ships or shots. So it, it really kind of paid off. And, um, you know, calculates are really good. Like, it was awesome seeing, like, having four calculates on the table and it, it, with three defense dice like it paid for itself i keep saying that um it really just like it really worked because you're just matching the results of the uh you know the attack so it, you're if you can't push that damage through with the calculates it really works out well other than like i said i'm gonna uh, do that a little bit more in the future and really take a look at robots and you know see if it is worth it like in some of these like top tier lists um it, it's definitely a acquired taste and it's definitely a hard list to fly i would say like because it's it's fragile at the same time but if you know how to do it like you can get a spot down like i'm sure like imagine launching a proton bomb into a vulture swarm like i feel like you probably shouldn't be squaring up against a vulture swarm but like just having a proton bomb go off and that might be like amazing um, yeah, definitely yes. seems good. Like, I definitely think, like, the key to it, like you said, is, like, scissoring them in and out. Like, I think that's what, like, watching your game earlier today, like, really impressed me about them and, like, made me think about possibly playing them out because that really is, like, my personal play style of, like, cycling things in and out, back and forth. And they just have enough enough, enough health and they're fast enough that when one gets damaged and the game is getting, you know, towards the end, you can just get the hell away. And, you know, probably keep those points for the rest of the game. Right. And and when I was, like, sitting here thinking about what list I should fly this morning, I was like, do I, like, bring two robots with, like, 
you know, something else like Forlom or something along those lines. And I was just like, no, because I really enjoy just having like these ships that are essentially like a Swiss army knife and can do everything and anything like being able to ionize something when you need to, if that shot missed and then, cause they spend a focus token being able to shoot again that I clearly missed the trigger probably two or three times the entire game. But I think at the same time, like the utility that you get behind these things is a lot of fun. And so would, yeah, would you go with elusive again. If you were doing, that was the one upgrade card that I, I wasn't sure of when I, I saw it. I mean, you saw how many times I did it. Yeah. And, and I gotta say, I thought you were fantastic at remembering to recharge the, 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 you know, charge because i never do with elusive so maybe that's one reason why i don't like it but um i don't know like i when you had those auto blasters marksmanship just would have been so nice i couldn't stop thinking about it yeah that is true um and i debated that but i was kind of like you know with it really came down to do i want an eight point bid or do i want a six point bid and i i don't know i I think elusive might be the way to go i'm not sure it's something that I could like test out here and there and see what see which one's better. Um, but yeah, I, I was definitely pleased with the robots. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that goes in the future if X Wing is still alive. Uh, so Brett, what have you been flying? So I decided to not fly Vader Soon Tier Whisper this week. So instead, I flew Soon Tier Whisper on a Palp shuttle. Uh, because I'm not creative in the slightest. Uh, but I just actually... Really <laughs> I haven't gotten to fly a Lambda in so long, and it was just so nice to to get that back, you know, on the quote-unquote table. Um, and Palp is still just, uh, you know, fantastic when paired with something like Soontir, um, or, or even Whisper. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, a loaded-out Whisper with Juke and Fifth Brother and... Um, just Predator on Suntir, and then I went with Sty and the title and Palp for the shuttle. And that that shuttle can just do so much work if you're able to get coordinates off. Um, I mean, that target lock focus shot that you're going to have kind of messes up with their target priority a lot when they, you know, they don't want to just let you kind of like flank them with that shuttle, just hitting them super hard every time. But they also don't want to waste a whole, you know, round of engagement trying to take it out. So... Uh, or or maybe even two rounds because it is you know kind of beefy. So uh, it was it was really fun. Uh, I I was glad to get something like that back on the table. Something like that back on the table. Uh, Zach, what about you? What have you what have you been flying? What did you fly? Uh, what I have been flying, what I did fly. So today I had a our first league game, tabletop simulator, and I also was uninspired and just went back to my beloved dual fire sprays because I haven't flown them in forever, and I like marathon streamed uh mandalorian yesterday while painting minis and that just made me want to want to bring out my mandos so yeah i flew that it was fine it's still really good but what i was more into was like last week during the tournament i flew rex of wrath vader and it's just made me realize how much i like defenders which is weird it feels wrong but it feels so so right oh it's so right it feels so right. They're so much fun. Like Rexler Brath with I don't have Juke, um, HLC, and Collision Detector. Collision Detector. Yeah, that's just a blast of a ship to fly. Like it's just so much fun. Vader sucks. Vader's terrible. I don't know why people fly Vader. Screw that whiny bitch. The entire but, X-wing community just cried out in terror. Good. They should. <laughs> They're all wrong. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely I have not flown the Defenders in 2nd Edition. I feel like I should. I, I enjoyed them in 1st Edition, and I, like I said, it's one of those things that they just cost too many points, but I think they cost that much for a reason, so... Yeah, they have to. Yeah, they, yeah, have they really to. have to. Like, he, like, last week in the tournament that we had, like... I don't think Rexler ever came close to dying. Like I almost got him to half. Yeah, Brett almost like, got him to half. I spent and that was 70 it. minutes trying to do it. Yeah, Brett almost got him to half, and that was the most damage he took in the entire tournament. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that cost a lot of points, I've been flying some Dash a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know. Dash, I think, is a lot of fun. He's definitely workable. 
if you are flying Dash, I feel like it comes down to being a one-ship list and him just getting a lot of support from other things. Uh, Brett, I mean, we messed around a little bit with this. Um, but, like, he's still pretty good, like, from, you know, his first edition days. I think a lot of people get scared away from him um, just because of how much he costs. But I, I think if you kid him outright, he's absolutely a menace. And I, I would imagine the same is for the defenders, that if you kit these outright, or you might not even need to kit them out. They're, they're just between getting that full throttle, they are, are you know going to pay for themselves again. So speaking of Dash, I was in a Discord chat with some people who were talking about the crappy list they were going to submit for me. And someone said Dash Miranda. So I was like immediately, all right, let's play a game right now. Dash Miranda, let's do it. And I almost got tabled. So You were flying um, Dash Miranda? I was flying Dash what Miranda. What upgrades did and, you have? Uh, you know, totally full Dash with Bistan, the title, um, Lone Wolf, uh, Perceptive Copilot. Um, not Lone Wolf, I'm sorry, Trickshot. And then Miranda had some bombs and Sabine and uh, skilled bombardier and um, the the missiles that she takes, whatever the heck they're called now. Barrage um, yes, I was thinking unguided rockets, but I know that's first edition. Um, and yeah, it, it went very poorly. So the the person I was flying against brought out a like uh, seer swarm, <laughs> and it was just very bad. <laughs> Yeah, you don't know how to fly Miranda. So I mean, yeah, why fine. are you bad at X-wing? I, I don't know, but I'm really. I, every time I had a fifty-fifty chance or choice, I picked the wrong one, and the ship died. Wow, like variants or something. Oh, um, we know some list to submit for Brett now. Everyone, it, it was, it was everyone. Bad. If 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 the droids don't die so easily, I get tabled. No questions. I I might submit that list. The most expensive dash that I could find, and then like a Z ninety-five. That might be fun. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, okay, so I, I think there's a couple things wrong. Like, I think Dash needs expert handling. Like, Trick Shot probably seems like a lot of fun on there, but um, expert handling, like that barrel on a large base, I, I think people are forgetting how good that is. And So it is really good, but when you have the title on them too, you can then just go over an obstacle and get rid of the stress the next turn as well. So your dial's not really as limited. Fine, but that requires obstacles, and that, you know... I don't know. I, I still think I still think expert handling is uh is worth it. Well, I almost got tabled, so honestly, my opinion should not matter right now. <laughs> Brett is bad at X Wing, so we need to make Accurate. some good list for him. Accurate. Accurate. Okay, so FFG put out an article this week, basically saying that all store events are going to be closed until September first. Like no store events. Don't bother with them. Um, you know, they're they're anticipating this COVID. 19 breakout to go that long. So the other thing that they said on this, though, was that all big events like system opens and anything that are going to be canceled up until July 29th, which is literally the day before Gen Con. So, I mean, we're kind of anticipating Gen Con getting either postponed or canceled. Um, Origins was postponed until World's Weekend. But I think this is literally just their saying this because um insurance purposes they probably need like actual state clearance to say like the state of illinois to say um you know indiana sir is it i thought it is oh okay i'm sorry i'm thinking of adepticon indiana to say you know there can be no gatherings and then they can just collect all the insurance money for this being canceled um sorry no i think it makes complete sense don't you that uh, you know, these little small events that maybe have like 10 people and can spread people out across the store uh, need to be closed far longer than this massive event that basically takes over all of Indianapolis. It, it makes complete sense. <laughs> well, like I said, uh, I mean, I guarantee that it has insurance purposes. Like, there's I, no... I'm sure you're entirely correct. Right. So, I mean, I mean, for anyone that's kind of being like, well, why are, why are they, you know, making these stores suffer if there is any FLGSs after this happens? Um I 100% believe that it is all everything to do with insurance and that 
I don't see Gen Con happening, and because of that, I mean, it's going to be a stretch to see Nova happening. Like, granted, I mean, there's a lot of hope because September 1st is when the stores potentially can have stuff again, and Nova would happen the weekend after that. So, if everything goes great, maybe Nova's the first big thing to happen since then. Um, Other Facebook posts or comments have said that uh, they're still planning on worlds happening as normal. I would imagine that they're going to might have to do something with like a, the LCQ or just kind of have a lottery system because if they're canceling all these events, they probably won't have a, a very big invite list. Like uh, there's going to be some, but like if none of the primes are happening or anything like that, then I mean, yeah, I mean, the- right, at most we're going to have a month of primes and maybe one system open or nationals. Uh, so it's going to be the tiniest field ever. Do you think we'd even have primes at this point? Like, I mean, they, they could just be like, okay, Worlds is going to be, you know, this weekend, um, if, if that even happens. And then, like, maybe, like, primes can be going on, but I don't know if primes will guarantee a way to Worlds this year. Like, it, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, on, honestly, I'm planning on Worlds being in 2021. Um, I, I still get the daily reminder telling me like what the the flight costs are and everything, <laughs> but I'm not even considering buying something right now. I just think it's it's going to be extremely unlikely that they're going to be able to pull everything together. Yeah, yeah, but flights are like fifteen dollars right now. So all of a sudden they went up to like two hundred and fifty overnight. They doubled. <laughs> People got their stimulus checks and be like, "Yo, I'm going to buy a ticket to go to Worlds. Uh, hopefully, uh, you bought insurance for it." Um, because unironically, always buy trip insurance. Always, it's my first pro tip. Yeah. So, um, I I, here's the thing. I really hope that they do do worlds still. Like, even if it is like a last chance qualifier, or if they just be like, okay, we just need to open this up to as many people as possible. Um, you know, I want to say that like between day A and day B, they opened it up to almost 500 people. But I mean. With everyone coming in from overseas and everything, it might still pose a hassle. I mean, with travel bans or anything like that, like, I hope that this can happen. But at the same time, safety clearly is a top priority. And it will be interesting to see how this pans out. Like, I'm a little concerned. But I think at the same time, all will be um, better in the end. Uh, I think... If, I mean, this is a spoiler, if Nova ends up getting canceled, we will try to work something out big in the end of a TTS or anything like that. Um, maybe like do like a big TTS tournament that weekend instead. This is just rumor mill. Um, so yeah, like on that note though we are going to be hosting tournaments probably monthly maybe i i think this is the plan right now we're going to try to do a monthly extended tournament our next one is going to be may 9th and again it will be extended and you know anyone's welcome to come we're still you know going to try to do like some prize support for you guys um go that way if the, the things start getting big enough we'll start doing it very like just like a normal tournament where hour and 15 minute rounds, I think that worked out really well on TTS. So um, that is the plan right now. Like I said, May 9th is our next tournament. And then I know in the works, we are talking about doing a tournament where like I fours are like the highest that you can bring. Like you can only bring I one to I four. We might do something like that in between these monthly tournaments. So Keep an eye out for that, but definitely May 9th is going to be our next uh, extended tournament. So on TTS, 11 a.m. Eastern Start Time, uh, we will have a post come out soon with the Tabletop TO and event for that. So uh, stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, this is going to be the tournament that Brett flies the list that you guys submit so we're gonna allow one more week for this we've had some people uh we've had a good amount of people submit lists and they've been nice and i thank you all for that (laughs) i showed brett some of them but you guys are being way too nice i come on people you need to what we're probably going to do is each host is going to pick one of the lists and then we're going to go uh on 
like post the list and let people vote on which one Brett has to fly on the May 9th tournament. So uh, we're going to give it one more week. We have everyone that list that was already submitted. So if you already submitted one, you can either submit another one or, you know, you don't have to submit one. And then we will go from there and we will talk about them on the air. And I, I mean, I'd, like I said, you guys don't have to be super nice to Brett. We're, he, he's a bully and we should bully him back. I was called a monster last night. No, no bully zone. Um, so, yeah, again, at Liberty Squadron Podcast at gmail.com. I will submit that to all the things. And tell us the list that you want Brett to fly. And like I said, bonus points if it includes Dace Bonearm without a title, because that would be hilarious. Um... Okay, Bonarm well, does fit with two robots. Just saying. You know, someone submitted a list that it was like four G one A's, and I was just like, I mean, it's not quite as four U wings, but it is kind of quite four U wings. Why do people fly four U wings as opposed to four G one A's? Because nobody owns four G. That's true. That is true. I mean, granted, they can do the stop and turn, but like. For G1As, I think you get like an extra hull out of it too. Oh, I guess because of the two agility. Okay, I, I take back my statement. Um, so do I get to make any changes to this list? Like, no, no, absolutely not. No, no upgrades. No, no. You do not okay, get no. to do. You, I I will even load in your list for you, and you just have to go. No, I it. won't. I won't cheat. I just wanted to know the rules. That's all. No, no you, you get to make cheat. no changes. So make it as dirty as possible, and you'll get bonus points. Um, so if you want to resubmit your list with this in mind, go at it. Like, I mean, after we were off the air last week, I think we were coming up with, like, the most ridiculous lists for Breath of Fly. And it was just, like, Cavill without a turret or, like, I don't know. Zach, you had one with Resistance. Yeah, like, what is it, a three-ship or four-ship Resistance list where every ship has something that will damage itself, which seems pretty fun. Yeah. So th- that is the stuff that we're looking for. Um, if I win this tournament with this list, you have to make me a custom set of templates, Andrew. Uh, that is fair. I will put you on the templates. Um, nice. And let's be fair. Put me on the templates. I look I'll, much better. I'll put every. Uh, I'll each have our own speed. Um, I call speed one. I, th- I thought we were saving that for. Okay. Um, all right. So why don't we move on? So this week we're going to talk a little bit about variants. Now, you always hear someone scream about their dice, and you always hear about people about, you know, oh, my dice and everything like that. And, okay, so granted, you always hear about other people say, well, it's not your dice. Well, I think in second edition, there is enough variance that it can throw games. And I think you, you people can always, like, say, this is the best possible outcome. I think I should do this. Well, I also think at the same time, you should really kind of plan for this variance. With first edition, you could literally limit the variance almost to nothing. Between like stuff like guidance ships, harpoon missiles, um, adding evades, adding evades, TLT, all that stuff. Like you could literally like bring that variance down to zero. And you really can't do that in second edition. It's there. But I think at the same time, so many people that were um like like Duncan Howard or Matt Carey or like these people that like are were doing really good in first edition you know what they're still doing really good in second edition is it because they know stuff about variants is it stuff because other things I mean I think there's a level to the game that um can be done that like really kind of limits the variance so you really can try to plan around it and we're going to get into that so first what do you guys think like is second edition a game where variance is going to happen you're going to lose games to variance and it really might not have anything to do with okay i made the best possible move the dice crapped down on me and that's why i lost the game or do you think there's something more to it um yeah i mean i think like at the base, like, we're still playing a game of chance. Like, it is. It is a dice game. Dice are variants. There are other forms of variants in the game. I think, like, that is totally fair. 
I do still think there are ways of mitigating variants, which we'll get into probably a little bit later in the segment that like you can spend a little bit more time planning for. But yeah, like you have to accept like this is a dice game. Sometimes dice hate you. Sometimes they love you. Most often they do both in the course of one game. Like that moment where you're getting frustrated because your opponent's rolling all max damage the first round of combat. Three turns later, like, you're not going to remember the fact that you were then rolling max damage for, like, four rounds in a row. Yeah, I think it's just super rare for a game to really swing because of the dice. Uh, moments in the game certainly swing. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about that. But, I mean, if I look back objectively, right, at my losses, um, I I can honestly say I think there was only one or two games in second edition where I would just say, I think I lost because of the dice. And I know one of them I, I was going to lose anyway. It's just I, I, I wasn't going to almost get tabled, um, probably. But like it's it's really rare, I think, that the dice really favor someone so strongly. Um, and it does happen every now and then, and it sucks. But there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, I mean, we can sit here and say things about the dice and everything like that. But, I mean, there's also the damage deck that we will get a little bit into that you might get that damaged engine at that wrong time or that loose stabilizer at the wrong time where you're just like, you know, okay, the dice did fail me in that one time, um, even though it was rolling average or anything like that. And, you know, you do get the one damage, the crit that you, you know, absolutely can't see. That I, I think the second edition damage deck is way more oppressive than the first edition damage decks. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit in a second, yeah. but first thing that I kind of want to talk about that we, I don't have it listed here is your opponent. Like, okay, so we can talk about dice variants, we can talk about damage deck variants, but you still have to kind of call your opponent on what they're doing. And part of the reason that I really enjoy X-Wing is it's almost like a like little bit level of poker where you have to try to like call your opponent on what they're doing plan your maneuvers on what you think they're going to be doing and hope you guess right and and i think that could be like the first level of variance that we could see like do you think they're going to go fast do you think they're going to go slow do they're going to turn left or right um and I, i think at the same time there's ways of identifying that like you can always like the amount of games that people have kind of come and looked at me and said wow, I didn't think you were going to do that. I thought you were going to do something completely different. And, and it's something that like I think about when I set my dials. It's something that I'm like, okay, they're going to expect me to do this. What can I do that might either keep me safe, maybe in like a turn or two have me in a better setup, or, you know, is that best possible route? Like, is, is that the route that I should be going and know that they're going to call me on that? Yeah, and the flip side to that, too, is, like, if you're on the opposite side of that player, what is the conservative move I can do that covers the most bases? Like, one thing I see a lot from, like, more inexperienced players is them going, like, all in on one place you could go. Like, they do a three hard to the right, you know, because that's the direction you're facing, and that might be where you go. And then you, one straight or one hard, and, like, to get nothing out of that like i'm not saying that there's not a place for those kinds of big plays of like all right like i had to go all in here but like a lot of how i tend to fly is like i'm gonna do something really conservative that i'm sure will cover a lot of things or at the very least will get me like not bumped not at range one of somebody yeah right like you 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 might not hit the grand slam but you're you know you're making sure you get on base right you got a shot basically no matter what they do you're right. I basically play the money ball of X-Wing. Yes. You're correct, Brett. And actually, Andrew, what I thought you were talking about with variants with the players is also just the matchups, right? I mean, that's that's a huge variance thing. Yeah, um, that's true. Particularly in round one. Round one is always the scariest round of any tournament, in my opinion, because you don't know if you're playing, you know, Polyver or someone who brought Jank that just happens to be a silver bullet to your list. Right. Uh, right. It is always terrifying. Right. How many times have we just paired up round one? 
There's no variance there between me and you. We know we're playing each other round one. We drive right, to that, Toronto. We drive fair. eight hours to Toronto for the system open. And round one of the system open, me and Brett are playing each other. And no, I, I definitely get what you're saying. I mean, a lot of times we get into um, breakdowns of Swiss and like different like medicals. And like that's really trying to limit the idea of um, what you're going to see on the field. Like what you but think is. That assumes they're playing the meta, right? Right. 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 Or if you're just pl- flying against someone who who's never looked at, at the meta before, never thought about it, and just is like, "Hey, these ships look fun," and then they just murder your list because they're just a hard counter to your list, and will lose to everything else. Right? That's always a risk in round one. It's terrifying. Right. Absolutely. Like it's definitely something that um you have to consider even with yourself with list building. Like there, there's a number of lists out there. There's little list of archetypes that you could fly and you could definitely um like limit that by like practicing this your list against these different type of archetypes and i mean there's never i would say a real point in second edition where you can say this is an auto lose where like a lot of times the first edition you could say that i think they've really kind of limited that down a lot and you have to look at your list and say, can this list take on stuff like swarms? Can it take on stuff like aces? Can it take on stuff like beef? Um, so that that is definitely something that you could do to try to limit the variance of matchups. Like, I mean, granted, I'm probably very lucky with matchup dodges. And I, I think a lot of times during the day, like I will only see one or two archetypes and it always bites me in the ass because I'm never prepared for them. Uh, I think in the worlds I flew against three gendered inquisitors and three like um, resistance beef, and they're probably the two things that I really wasn't ready for, and I just messed up on. But like I said, that's something that you could definitely do um, to try to limit this variance. And who are you going to be playing up against? Uh, you're with your opponent. Um. So yeah, but but like I said earlier, like. Uh, it's open, uh, I like this game because it feels a little bit like a poker hand where when you're setting your dial, you can you really kind of have to identify where are you moving first? Are you trying to shake off an opponent or are you moving second? Are, is your opponent going to be blocking you? And do you have to kind of think of that cheeky maneuver of what you're going to be doing? Um, and this might be the hardest variance to kind of counter or even identify and talk about. Um because you, I would say it's the hardest to identify for sure. Yeah, especially if you don't know your opponent. Like a lot of times, if you, I mean, a lot of times when I play Zach, Zach will be like, "Okay, I know exactly what you're doing because I've played you, uh, you know, hundreds of times, and you know, you're trying to get talent being into range one of me, and that's not happening." So, but I mean, when you're at big team, you know, thing tournaments, it's a lot harder to do, and uh, you kind of have to really read almost your opponent's body language, and you know, see what they are, you know, thinking about, like, identifying, are they doing the same maneuvers over and over again, the same safe maneuvers, are they doing something wild, are they, you know, maybe even doing something a little bit both, because a lot of times, it's even something like, are, are they doing maneuvers that are safe, and you can try to call them, and that's the one turn that they do that wild maneuver that you're not expecting, and then, boom, you know, you caught yourself in a trap. Um, it's definitely something to think about, at least, uh, when you set are setting your dials. Where are they looking on the board? Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh, are, who is ever actually looking at their opponent? Me. Me. Are you? Are you? I mean, like, you're looking exactly... Okay, like... I, I guess. No. I, I mean... No, like, I, one I, one I like... type of head games I, I play is I always try and look at, at places where I'm not always going to be going. Like, I mean, yeah, like, I, I'm the same way. Like, when I'm at a big tournament, like, one of my things that I always do and... I know this comes from playing other sports, other games in general, but like my eyes just never stop moving across the board, across the space. Like part of that's also just how I think, but it does help in that like makes it a bit easier. Sure. But I also do try and play like head games with my opponent of like, maybe I'll bend down and check the line on like <laughs> the way that I don't want to go, or maybe it is the way I want to go. Right. Like, or ask your opponent what are what are the blues on that maneuver or on that dial there, and be like, well, why are you asking me that? And then, uh, 
<laughs> and then you see them change their dial and you know stuff like that. And yes, these are definitely things that you could do. Um, and but I that's probably, not variants. No, 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 <laughs> not not variants yeah. at all. But like, I, I mean, not knowing where your opponent's going to go. I mean, granted, you can do things like sense, and uh, I've yet to see anyone really kind of fly and form it. Um, but it's definitely something that. I take into consideration when I'm flying it, and I know maybe you don't, but maybe you should start doing that. Yeah. Um, okay, so why don't we talk about dice, Brett? I'm going to let you talk about this and then yell at you. Okay, well, I was not prepared for that. You should uh, be. You, I mean, you always, you, I hear you all the time. It's not your dice, but let me well, it, let me hear it. Let me hear it. It's just not your dice. I mean, over the course of a game, you are probably rolling, let's say, two hundred. Uh, you know, you're two hundred dice, right? I mean, you're you're rolling a lot of dice, and sometimes, yes, you get four hits naturally when you had no mods, and it really sucks for your opponent. But there are other times where you have no mods and you roll four focuses, and it really sucks for you. And they happen, you know, close to to even, right? I mean, probability wise, that's over the the course of a a game or the course or the course of a tournament, the dice are going to be very close to being fair, assuming that they were fair to begin with, right? If you're using cooked dice, then whatever. You you probably don't care about variance um, or our discussion here. But it, it's it's really rare that your dice are actually going to, to make that big of a difference. Now, there are moments where, you know, your your Sumtir just blanks out and, and dies in one shot, and that really sucks. And maybe that swings, you know the game to a certain extent, but but still probably not because you made that decision to put him there. You knew you were taking that risk and you probably had a reason for doing so. Uh, so I, I just, I hate hearing the dice. It seems like in second edition, it is so common to hear people blame their dice for every single loss. Um, I mean, I, I would say that I've been with people in a six round tournament who have blamed five games on dice. And that that's just not realistic. Like if you're thinking your dice are, are costing you that many games, then you're just not making good choices and giving yourself shots that are, are suboptimal or taking shots that are suboptimal for you. Yeah. Now I want to like hone in on one exact thing you said there. Cause I do think, you know, first step to solving a problem is admitting you have a problem, everyone. So we're going to have you help admit that you have some problems, but one of the first things that you need to realize, like the soon tier fell example, that sometimes soon tier fell blanks out. That means, like you said, Brett, that you put Sunterfell in a position to get shot at and potentially die. I think one thing that like I tend to do, and like this happened in our game last week, Brett, at the tournament, in the first round of combat, I put my ships into a position that I knew it was going to be a dice-off. And when you put your ships into that position, you accept the fact that sometimes you lose the dice-off. Like, it just happens. It's one die, one roll of the die on both sides. Right, and we even talked about it beforehand. You were like... God, I don't, I don't know if I should joust here, but I think I'm just going to, right? Or yeah. Vader versus Vader uh, face-off. Like, like, you, you know you're putting yourself in that position. Yeah. And, and the Suntir blanking out and dying in one shot also happened in our game, right? Yep. And I could have gotten out of arc and not had a shot on you, but I knew that if I put one more damage on Rexler, that that is more points than Suntir was worth. So I was willing to take the risk that Suntir pops because I thought the odds of me pushing one damage through with uh, focus and predator were good enough, right? Like that was a conscious choice. It, it did not work out in my favor, but that that's, that's just the way that the dice sometimes roll. I wouldn't say that, Oh man, the dice screwed me there. It's just that my gamble didn't pay off. Yeah. And that's the other thing I do want to also hit back on that. You said Andrew earlier on in the conversation, um, which is like a lot of times I see more inexperienced players say, I'm going to do this. Because I think it's, you know, if it turns out well, this is how it's going to go. That is not a way I think at all during a game. I'm always planning for the worst. Like, what's the worst thing that happens if I do this maneuver? What's the worst thing that happens if I put my ship here? Well, the worst thing that happens if I put my Suntir Fell here is he might die. It's entirely possible. So maybe I don't put my Suntir Fell there. Like, that's one of the best ways to avoid dice variants if you want to avoid it. But I'm saying to say, like, you shouldn't be avoiding dice variants. Like, you have to accept that's part of the game and, like, acknowledge that it's part of the game and then just go into the situations knowing that. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I agree with almost everything you guys said. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, and like, like I said, like, okay, so there are there are things in the game. Um, like if you like soon tier, if he's getting shot, why is he getting shot? I mean, they must have pulled off a mighty block, but I, I feel like even still, like Sunter should never be in a spot that he's getting blocked or anything like that. Like, there, you can absolutely control Sunter to be in spots that you know he's going to be completely safe. Um, there's okay. Let's talk about the contrary on that, though. I mean, so like, granted. Blank outs happen, like, sometimes, but then there's also those times that you have three of aids that, you know, you, you don't remember because that's what you're expecting. Now, in my robots list earlier, okay, I had two examples of where I tried to limit variance to the best of my ability. Uh, so, one, I had elusive on them, which we talked about a little bit earlier, but I, I think at the same time, um, it did pay off uh, in a couple instances, especially when you have two ship lists. It helped save things. And, you know, I think the two times that it really did save me was when I was rolling three dice. I only rolled one of eight. And then the elusive, you know, got me to that two of eights, which it it definitely helps. Um, The list goes on. There's a lot of stuff that you can bring, especially on offense, but on defense, you know, we talked about heroic to length earlier, but there's going to be those times that people are like, well, the math on heroic is terrible. Like, you should not bring heroic. I mean, it you should not do this. But at the same time, there are those times that you're going to roll three of aids, and there's going to be those times that you roll three blanks that you can absolutely bring stuff to try to limit this variance as much as possible. Um Thinking the triple it, blank out on defense. I'm so, sorry, Andrew. I didn't yeah. mean, the, the blank out on defense often is the thing that, that feels like it changes the game more than anything else because a ship often will die. Um, and, and it is the, the thing that I think changes the, the the game more often. So I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to harp on heroic too much, but it's I don't care what the math is saying. It's what it's the downside of what you're protecting against. I would pay so many points to put that on Jedi, so many points to put that on Soontier because you know, it, it. I don't care about what it does on offense. I just care about the, you know, when the variance is really against me. Boom! It, it helps mitigate that horrible roll. That's what is super important in in stuff like that. Right, and, and like I said, we, we're not going to go too deep into heroic. Yeah, sorry. Um, like I said, elusive. I I think moving forward, I probably keep it on there as much as I think. Yes, the damage race might be better if I put marksmanship on there. But the experience that I've had with robots is that they mostly always go to time. And if I can save as many points on one of those 100-point robots, I should probably do it. Um, Especially with two ships. Right. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. For me, if you're flying a two-ship list, you need to, like, so I always try and break it down into, at the very basis, a list falls into one or two categories, right? It is a defensive list or it is an offensive list. And offensive lists need to be, I'm going to blitz the hell out of your my opponent and destroy things before my things get destroyed. Defensive lists tend to be, yeah, like I'm going to draw this out as much as I can. And for me, two ship lists are always defensive lists because two ships just cannot blitz things. They just cannot. Right, and... and- Especially in second edition, I mean, like, you see higher ship counts, especially with uh, swarms being so prevalent that um, you have to somewhere have that insurance on your dice. Because, like I said, it does happen, and you're always going to remember the times that you blank out as opposed to the times that you roll uh, natties. So it's really something to think about, and how you can actually limit that variance going into these games um, and really, like, understanding the fact that the dice are going to swing times. Like, Brett, we've gone into so many conversations about this that, you know, people are so worked up on the math that, like, oh, the chances of me blanking out are so low. But when you think about it and you are doing, like, a six-round tournament in a day, you're rolling those dice, like, probably, what, like, 100 to 200 times throughout the day? 
I'd say more than that, even yeah. Sure, and but even still, like those odds are pretty high that it's going to happen in that one turn that either you don't have a choice or something along those lines. Like you are getting shot. Um, These are the times that like it's going to happen. Like that, the odds are that high that it is absolutely going to happen. Well, that's the thing too, right? Like we're talking about like a single moment is what you're going to remember, like. For me, like a good example, this is Brilliant Evasion. Brilliant Evasion is a card that a lot of people look down on. I personally love it for the very reason of at some point over the course of a day at a tournament with a force user, you're going to roll two focus results and all you're going to have is one force and that's going to save your ass. And it's going to feel real good because you're like, I brought Brilliant Evasion when everyone else doesn't like this card. But like, I think that's like my thing with all this that I kind of wanted to harp on a bit was like, for me, like, while mitigating dice variance in list building is not the same as it was in 1.0, thank God, because that was awful. Like, that is where it all starts. And there's many ways of doing it, whether that's, you know, elusive or heroic or brilliant evasion for upgrade cards, or also like five X Wings. You're just bringing a lot of dice and you're going to roll a lot of them and you're going to have a lot of variance. But the more dice you roll, the more even the variance is going to be. So I think like that's like the basis of it for myself is when you're list building, I tend to list build with variants in mind. Oh yeah, I, I'm always a big proponent of saying that I don't want a low floor list, and variants oftentimes can you know be part of that low floor, um, right? Like I, I want a, a list that I think even when things are going horribly for me, I'm still going to be able to to try and make it a game. And that's that's so important when you're building a list. Right. And here's one of the things that I kind of talked about in the beginning of this uh, points adjustment was everyone was kind of like worked up about 5X and stuff like that. And I really want to thank kind of like Jonathan for this was he flew very similar things with B-Wings and generics. Like he would just kind of load up as many generics as possible. And... Yes, you have the damage potential and the firepower at that, but then there's going to be those games that uh, you can't control certain things. Like I flew a a game against Jonathan uh, probably right before the quarantine happened, and like the dice just did not go his way. And like I've never seen Jonathan kind of really like think about the dice that hard before. And it really kind of comes down to, like, is the focus action enough to win you that, like, uh, that one game that you have the bad dice? And, and like like I said, we, we sit here and talk about, like, how it's not your dice and everything like that. But, like, that could just be the game before you had really hot dice and you don't really look at it. But then that next game you have really bad dice. And that really can break a... It could break your game in a tournament, you know, day that you it might get you out of the cut or something like that. So, like, I, I understand that, like, 5X and, like, their beefy list, there are a whole lot of, like, dice to be throwing at your opponent. And it's obviously on the more attack side as opposed to the defensive side. But I, I also think that the, you know, the dice game is going to wish and wash back and forth. And... I think that's my main thing is that, like, I, I don't really like just these generic... Like, I, I need some kind of mods at some point, and I, I've talked about that a lot. Like, that's part of the reason why I like Fangs is because they always almost have a defensive mod of some point because people just love getting in range, one of them for some reason. Um, and, and that's kind of really my take on it is that, like, when I'm list building or going into a, a day or anything like that, I always try to... Make sure that I'm not just playing the let's throw dice at each other the game. Uh, and that's the best that I, I can really come up with. You know, the the dice variation argument. Yeah. My, my counterpoint, my counter argument, kind of quasi counter argument to that is like with a list like 5X, like with a single mod list, which I've done a bit with B-Wings as well. Like with a single mod list, I think the trick is like you understand like it's going to be a heavy variance list so you need to in gameplay look for ways of minimizing your opponent's dice modifications as well like with 5x wings i think one of the big keys to winning with 5x wings is you got to be setting people up for bumps 
You've got five ships. You should be blocking people as much as you can. If they block, they can't modify their dice, then your single focus is better than their no mods. Like And on a, a kind of similar to that, this is something you always talk about. Cycling out ships is so important, right? Like we all know, hey, rebels one forward to victory. Well, maybe that ship that's down the two hull, maybe he doesn't want to one forward and just die before he gets a shot. Like yep. that's also something really important to think about is okay, what am I gonna do now that the variance has gone the way it has? How do I limit the impact of it? Yep, exactly. All right, uh, let's start to wrap up a little bit. Let's talk about damage cards. And I know this might be the, like, I think this is the topic that people will really blame on things as opposed to, like, my dice. Like, you hear you hear this one probably just as much, like, Oh, I probably could have beat them if I didn't roll the console fire or if the uh, loose stabilizer wasn't there and I, I could actually turn on my one whole ship or something like that. Now, is this just a good way that FFG has presented to us that there is still a lot of variance in the game and there's not much you can do about it? Or do you think there is absolutely stuff that we can do about this to kind of limit yourself uh, in, in the run of things to, you know, not really worry about it? So first, I just want—I think that damage deck variance is so much more important than dice variance. Um, I the, the important, damage or do you think I, it's more like? Well, I, I just don't believe the variance for dice makes that big of a difference, right? Where variance for damage cards could make a, a huge difference. And I think it was it was a great job that FFG did designing this damage deck uh, where almost every crit matters, right? There's there's two totally blank crits, right? It's, it's stun pilot. If I if I hit an obstacle, then I'm gonna gonna take a damage. It used to be if I bumped a ship, I would also take a damage. Back in first edition, that was really brutal, right? Because then you could just, uh, you know, basically murder your opponent's ship by just making sure you were going to get a block every turn. Here, though, anyone who's playing at a high competitive level is not going to be unknowingly like going over an asteroid, probably. Or if they are, it's very unlikely. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a, a crit that really is basically blank for most people. But everything else can have a huge impact on the game. And I love that FFG did that. And I love that the damage cards, which are, are deadly for my list, might have no impact on someone else's, right? Like, uh, structural damage on a Jedi is often a death sentence. And if you're running double decimator, it's the best damage card you could pull, right? You're, you're totally fine with it. Um, so I, I love that FFG made it so certain damage cards are, are really punishing for, for you know, maybe AC lists, where other ones are more damaging for, for a beefy list. Like, it was, it was very well done, I think, on their part. Um, but you know, there, there's really not much you can do, you know, unless you want to try and stack your damage deck, which I don't recommend. Um, the, you know, the cards are what they are. You just really need to try and put yourself in a situation where, uh, you know, if you have, uh, low HP ships that, you know, are very maneuverable, you're not going to be taking a lot of crits. Uh, I mean, that's, that's like the only way to try and play around them, I think. Can we just admit that it's so relieving when you pull a fuel leak and then you only have one hull left anyways? It's, right, that's that's the best one too. Yeah, it yeah. feels so like okay. You're like, oh, it's blank, whatever. I like that, <laughs> but no, I think like a lot of like the damage deck mitigation comes down to everything else we've already talked about for everything else, right? Like, if you're getting crits, that means that you put your ship in a place where it can get shot up to take crits. It means that like. Dice variants, like you didn't play to the dice variants properly. Like, I think it all like comes again back down to maneuvering. Like, if you're on a ship that is, you know, maybe naturally doesn't have any shields, or if you've lost your shields already, like, then crits can happen. And you just need to like take that into consideration as you're playing the game. Yeah, I can agree and disagree with that. I mean, like, certain ships, I, I think definitely um, are, are there to take damage. Like, we talk about ships that will bleed MOV, like Punishers, Reapers, um, Decimators, VZXs, stuff like that. And, and, you know, they're there to meant to take damage. And getting the wrong crit at the wrong time on one of those, like, hole breach uh, could definitely make or break uh, certain things. But um, 
I Holbreed these crits can like punish like they can definitely punish you like getting like something like a damage engine on a Jedi or like a Fang. Um, I, I guess damage engine wouldn't be terrible on a Fang because they, they, it just decreases at one. But um, something like um, let me look here. Okay, so dam or not damage sensor, right? Loose stabilizer. I, I talk about this one a lot because it's really like it really makes you a sitting duck for a. a a turn or two because it's like you know how many times do you just go straight with your ships like almost never right like when you're really in the thick of things are you ever going straight like probably not you're always turning banking you know doing uh k turns anything like that and, and like this is basically just like auto damage and and if you're not taking the damage then people are going to know where you're going. So it's, I think this is probably one of the worst crits and like, it kind of sucks because like you have to go straight and then waste your action to repair the card or, or bring something along the way that uh, can repair the card. See, I, I have to say, I completely disagree on those stabilizer. I, I think it's, I mean, it sucks when you get it, but it, first off from a design perspective, it's probably my favorite because it, it gives you the choice, right? Do I want to take that damage or do I just want to go straight? Um, right. So it's, it's nowhere near as, as damaging, for instance, as getting like an ion token. And now I have to go straight. Um, right. So your opponent still needs to worry. You know what? Maybe you're just going to say, I'm taking the damage. I'm doing a 5k. I'm going to shoot you. Um, so I, I really like the, the choices that that one gives you. Right. I mean, it gives you choices to think about, but I, I think at the same time, going back to the first topic that we're talking about, it, it comes down to, it limits, your opponent's choices that they're going to be setting their dials with. And it's like, okay, if they, I mean, a lot of times if I see this on my opponent, I'm planning for them. And and granted, unless they have like one HP left, I'm planning on them not clearing that because if they clear it, then they're going to, you know, have the actions uh, that they need to really do it. And I think, I I don't know. I, I, I think this is one of the best crits to see your opponent get, but I think at the same time, it's one of the worst crits, you know, for yourself to get. Um, and it's a death sentence if you have one HP left. Yeah, then it's really bad when you have one HP. And it does seem to happen a lot when you have one HP. Right. Because that's the only time you remember it. Right. I mean, uh, that's the worst. Uh, and Disabled power regular, Do you, does anybody ever get these on small base ships i only see them get yes, they're horrible i only see them ever come out on large base ships though so it's or like something like that um so i think avoiding damage deck variants is very hard like it's something i would say is almost unavoidable yeah so i, I like to bring r5 astromechs on the jedi so i can repair those structural damage and damage engines which are by far the the two worst uh, ones that I think I can get, and there's no other way to, to flip them. So that's the one way I try and deal with uh, you know variants, but it still doesn't stop them from from coming out at all. Obviously, right? Yeah, again, like I'm just trying to say, like I don't think like what I was trying to say earlier is avoiding them. I think like a big part of like it is again just acceptance. Like it's part of the game. The variance is going to be there if you're going to put your ship in a place where this can happen then accept the fact that it can happen like that's it just accept it yeah i agree and if you get lucky and it's stun pilot then you're like oh good cool i you know i rolled natties on the the damage deck pull so moral of this story is basically dice variance blaming is bad damage deck variance blaming is somewhat acceptable um, i would say less bad i wouldn't say acceptable sure yeah, I, I mean, I, I never want to try to, you know, it always sucks when you get that direct hit with two, two HP left. But, I mean, that's always part of the game. That's something that you accept. Um, so one thing I guess you could do, and I, I don't do this, is, right, technically what happens when your ship dies is you're allowed to, like, look at all your, your damage cards on that ship. <laughs> right, so you could figure out how many direct hits are left in the deck and, and then figure out, you know, okay, so what are my odds of actually pulling that if I take a crit based on how many other cards are there? But Are you allowed to? I thought they took that away. I'm pretty sure you're allowed to. 
So I, I don't think you need to do that, though. I think Zach's completely right. Like, just accept it. If you're putting yourself in a, a spot where you could just take that crit and you have no shields, then you, you have to prepare for it and you have to assume it's going to be the worst one. Right. Yeah, definitely plan for the worst and go from there. Um, all right, anything else we want to mention on variants before we close out for the night? So just one thing I want to say, because, you know, I had a game uh, recently where variants was very on my side. And, I mean, it feels bad to, to have variants go against you, but it feels also really bad when your opponent is just having a horrible time because of how bad the variance is. Um, I, I don't really have much of a point on that. It's just, like, it's, it, you know, I... I don't think any opponent is wanting their, you know, you know, their opponent, I guess, to to have a, a horrible time. Um, so, you know, don't think that your opponent's over there like being giddy that you're having this bad luck because that's almost certainly not the case. Yeah, no. Like I I will forever remember my 5th round game at Nova this last year against an FO player. I can't remember player's name. I'm sorry if you're listening. I forgot but anywho his dice were just admittedly atrocious all game against my dual fire sprays and like it was one of the fastest wins i've ever had and like it felt really bad it did so just if you're on if you're on the good side of dice variants in a game like try to be nice to your opponent yeah because remember you'll be on the bad side you know very soon <laughs> Right. There's a lot of times like, okay, like we can talk about etiquette for real quickly, but like, I, I mean, I never try to blame my dice. I mean, there's been times that I just like, I'm well point out and be like, wow, this variance is really bad. Um, but I, I think at the same time, like if you are on the receiving end of that or the, you know, your dice are really hot or anything along those lines, you know, always be respectful to your opponent. If your opponent's being like a dick about it or something like that. I always try to just explain to them to be like, okay, well, next time you they roll dice, but like that's an average roll or like something like that, or like point out that's how mods, you know, why mods are always so beneficial to the game, like uh, something along those lines. Like uh, it's really kind of like a fine line, and it's sometimes a problem in the game. I mean everybody's always had that game where they're just like they have the bad opponent and everyone's always had that game where like they are the recipient of bad variants like it does happen and you know you just always got to be respectful of your opponent and like never blame your opponent to be like okay or like blame your opponent that you know the only reason that they won is because the dice variants or anything along those lines like that's never the case um yeah, because the reason their, their dice variance was good is because you put yourselves in a bad spot and they got a ton of shots on you. Exactly. Uh, I mean... Uh, that frustrates me so much, sorry. <laughs> or, you know, your opponent played well. And got yeah, a lot right, of or, you know, or there was that, but no, it was the dice. I mean, I would go as far to say is if that, like, you are blaming variance for your loss, that your opponent either played at equal or greater... Um, level that you played so uh, i'm 100 on that boat and it's just the way it goes i mean the same with the damage deck like sometimes like you know they might get that uh fuel leak on that one health ship where you get the direct hit like it, it happens but that that is the game and variance is going to happen like closing out this episode don't be a dick about it remember like there's sometimes people that will literally just joust and then get upset when they are not having the best dice in the game or they don't understand why they are having bad dice. So, uh, I mean, try to be the bigger person always and explain to them, like, what is happening? Like, maybe they don't understand, like, the math or the odds behind it, which, like, I, I know a lot of people are very good at. And, and like, that's... I love calculating all like the odds of doing everything, but I also understand a lot of times those odds there's, you know, you're saying there's a chance. There's always the chance that it's not going to happen. So if, I remember I was watching one game that you were playing, Andrew, and you were rolling. Did I 5k off maybe, the table? Maybe. No, you were rolling oh. maybe slightly better than average dice, right? Like, so maybe instead of like the, you know, like two hits you, you should have gotten, you're averaging like 2.2 hits. And I remember your opponent like just freaking out about it. And like I, I did, the, he's like, you know, the odds of that happening are so low. And I did the math 
because uh, I was just standing there, and the odds were like like forty eight percent or something like that. Like that's not low. That's a coin flip. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like like I said. I mean, always be respectful of your opponent, and like we basically just went down the list and said that like second edition variance is definitely a higher factor in second edition. But it's at the at the same time, um, understand that it's going to happen. Also, understand the math behind things. Uh, if you are listening to the episode and you know are, are thinking about it, oh well, my dice are trash. They always roll blanks and blah blah blah. Sit down and kind of think about it next time you are playing a game. Do the math behind it. Vassal is great for this kind of stuff that you can literally get the odds of your game and see how hot your dice are, how cold your dice were and average it out. Like go through like a couple of games and figure it out. And, and then I think the more that people understand how this, like it works, the better. So, I mean, there's always that. Uh, any other final comments guys? Cool. All right, so first I want to thank everyone who has emailed in to talk to us about this, uh, and I appreciate the comments. I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate the kind words that you are all sending us, and I, I thank you for that. So remember, we are collecting lists for Brett to fly. Competitive you know, lists that you think will do nice and well. Those are what we're looking for. No, no. Dace no. bone arm and a bit. I can learn to understand. Whoa, Cortana just yelled at me. Um, Even she didn't like that list. She did not. So, send us a bad list for Brett to fly at libertysquadronpodcast at gmail.com. And sign up for the May 9th tournament so you can see me come in last place. If Brett comes in first place, I will... No, I'm not going to promise anything because then everyone will just concede to Brett. Um, I said last for the record. What? I said, come watch me come in last place. Yes, yes. Well, I was going to say, if you come in first place, then... Um, then you're giving me custom templates. I know I I'm excited. Give you custom templates and whoever's in last place custom templates. Okay. Uh, so, again, thanks for all the kind words that you guys have been sending us. I really appreciate hearing from you guys. Uh, we are still trying to get through these tough times and talk about X-Wing. We are still playing X-Wing. Uh, you can always ping us on Facebook and try to pick up games if you need them or anything along those lines um, in the Discord and such. Um, other than that, I think that's it. Again, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Patreon. And thank you for listening and have a good night.